The sermon passage for this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. You guys may be seated. Team, thank you uh, for leading us this morning. Um, I almost called this sermon Still in Christ, or More in Christ, or More in Christ Still, because um, the astute among us will recognize that this is the exact same passage that we looked at last week, and... um, I got really focused on the first emphasis in the passage and didn't get to the second or the third, but this is too important for us just to gloss over and say, what's next? And so today we're going to be back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 through 21. Um, I'm going to call the sermon In Christ. You can give it the most creative name that you would like to come up with, like In Christ Part 2, or however you want uh, to wrestle with that. But um, here's what we're doing here at Redeemer, we're in a series called The Foundation. And if you know anything about buildings, you know that the foundation is what gives them their strength. It's what gives a building its stability. It's what gives its building its shape and so many other things. If you're new to foundations, you can go out, go gently down the hill and observe a foundation. And you can come back and tell us how um, strong that is. But in all seriousness, uh, we are in a, a time here at Redeemer of of great blessing from God. Uh, people are hearing the gospel and responding in faith. Uh, our children, for whom we have prayed for years, are hearing the gospel and responding in faith. Um, new people are coming uh, to join us here at Redeemer as we seek to proclaim Christ, make disciples, and bear much fruit for the glory of God. And there's a lot of corresponding transition that goes with all of that. And at the very core, if we miss out on God and God's gospel and God's salvation and God's word and God's spirit, then all of that's nothing. But if we remain in Christ and we remain in his word and we remain in his gospel and we build upon what God has started and God builds us up in His grace, then we will bear much fruit that glorifies God and is joyful for us. And that's what we're after, to glorify God and find great joy in Him. That's what we're after. And so we're just slowly saying, what is this foundation of the church? What is the the foundation of the church? And so the first corner of the foundation was for God's glory. 
the world and all that is in it was created by God to celebrate the greatness and the creative power and the saving power of God. So that was the first pillar. I'd love to go back and re-preach that, but I'll just call you to RedeemerTN.org and you can listen away. Uh, The second kind of pillar in our foundation is in Christ. In Christ. And what we are saying is that in Christ, humans are given a new position before God. Humans in Christ are given a new position, a new status, a new relationship with God. And it's a gift from God. And so that's what in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, we are considering is what does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean to be in Christ? And so the first point to be in Christ is to have a new relationship with God. That became last week's sermon. So as tempted as I am to re-preach it, I'll just push you. You can go and listen to it. But the first takeaway from this passage, which Janet just read for us, is that in Christ, humans, people like us, are given a new relationship with God. Paul says it, Paul's the author of this book, 2 Corinthians, and he says it this way. Look at verse 21. For our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So what Paul tells us is that God sent his son who was sinless and perfect and holy and righteous and God put our sin upon Jesus and Jesus died and rose again taking away our sin and giving us his righteousness before God so what we're told is that when God looks upon people who are in Christ God sees not our sin not our brokenness not our rebellion but he sees the righteousness of God. And therefore, in verse 18, all who are in Christ have been reconciled to God. That is accepted, forgiven, and made new. Man, I really want to do this over again. But those of you here last week were like, no, 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 keep, keep going, keep going, right? But in Christ is a new relationship with God. What the Bible says is apart from Christ, we are separated from God. God's wrath is upon us. God is angry with us. God will judge us for our sin. But in Christ, all of that is turned upside down. We are forgiven. We are accepted. We are blessed. God's love is upon us. God's mercy is upon us. And if we are in Christ, when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. And I challenged you last week to really believe that. To really believe that. Maybe for the first time. And if for the first time, please let let us talk with you about that. Let us. I was also told after the service last week that I volunteered all the guys passing out the Lord's Supper to talk with you about your newfound faith in Jesus. And some of their eyes got really big. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. 
because I'm going to volunteer them again later. All those people passing out the Lord's Supper would love to talk to you about your faith in Jesus. You've got a few minutes to get ready. Now, at this point, like this is great news. But I need to kind of be like the guy on the infomercial, right? So you're going to go home today, and you really have two options. You can watch football or infomercials. If you're going to turn on your TV, those are your only options, right? And every infomercial has the same outline. I got a good deal for you. I got a good deal for you. And you're about to change the channel, but wait, there's more, right? That's the outline of every infomercial. Look, this is no infomercial. This is reality, and this is real, and this is God, and this is His Word, and this is His saving Son. But as great as new relationship before God is, there is more good news to have lavished upon us. And I want to share that with you. Today. So from this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and following, we come to our second point in the passage, which is our first point for today, and that is a new life. A new life. And what Paul tells us in this passage is that if we are in Christ, our lives are new. They are different. There is something fundamentally different about us because we are in Christ. Now, before we look at this in the passage, I want to see if I can really push this home, okay? Jesus did not come to earth, suffer, die, and rise again so that you could be a better version of you. Or me be a better version of me. Jesus did not come and live and die and rise again so that we could have better habits, better sleep patterns, better body mass indexes, better bank accounts. Dare I say, even happier lives or happier marriages. That's all outflow of salvation. Jesus came so that we could be made new. And this point is so important because often when pastors and Bible teachers stand up and start talking about the gospel, we start thinking about things like New Year's resolutions and diets and workout plans. And honestly, who here likes New Year's resolutions diets, or workout plans. None of us do. You know why? Because they never fully work, they never last, and they always either make us feel very guilty or very wanting. Because in this world, which is not our home, we will never be perfect. But Jesus didn't come to do that. He came to take an angry, rude, rebellious, broken, arrogant Jamie and kill him spiritually to make a Jamie that's in Christ who loves God and can pursue God. And that's so important because walking with Jesus is not self-help. It's new life. Jesus killed the bad stuff. So, let's see if that's actually what Paul 
say. Look at verse 16. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it doesn't so much mean our skin and our bones as much as it means our humanity, our fallen humanity, our natural, a little bit selfish, me-centered mind, heart, and spirit. So Paul's basically saying, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Well, why not? I get you in the flesh, and you get me in the flesh, so why do we not regard one another according to the flesh? Verse 17. Friends, this is the good news. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, do you notice the tense of the verbs there? If anyone is in Christ, he is presently a new creation. The old is past tense dead, and the new has past tense come. So what this is telling us is that if we are in Christ, we are new creation. There is something fundamentally forever transformed about us. We are no longer what we were. And Christians, this is the point where we have to preach the truth to ourselves above what we feel. Because many of us still feel dead. And Satan would love for us to believe that we're dead. Many of us still feel like we are enemies of God. And Satan would love for us to feel like we're enemies of God. Many of us still feel spiritually helpless. Like there is nothing I can do to please God. And Satan would love for us to believe that we are still spiritually helpless. But what Paul is saying is that if we are in Christ, we are something new. New life given by God and carried out by the Holy Spirit. And Christianity and discipleship and maturity, in my mind, begins when we commit ourselves to the fact that the Bible is right and I am no longer what I once was. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11 says this. Listen very carefully. Don't tune me out at the beginning. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute. What Paul's trying to do is he's trying to say, I got all of you. So don't just pick on one group of people. None of you, in and of yourself, in your old man, will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. That's set apart for God. You were justified. That's declared righteous in the name of the Lord 
Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see what he's saying? Those old sin patterns no longer define who you are. Jesus defines who you are. Paul says another way. I'm trying to get as many word pictures here as I can to help you understand this idea of new life. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So if you're taking notes, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, and write down Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you've been at Redeemer any time at all, you're probably like, dude, here we go, talking about Ephesians 2 again. Because it's true. But listen to what Paul says. Same author, same theology, same point, different word picture. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's a pretty grim picture. Here's what Paul is saying. When I was young, there, there was a movie called um, Night of the Living Dead. And then there was Return of the Living Dead, and then there was Return of the Return of the Living Dead. You know, 80s, we just kept making sequels, right? But here was the plot line. Zombies came out of the grave and were walking around. So they were dead, but they looked alive, right? I think there's a new, like, TV series called, like, something very similar. I don't do The Walking Dead. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you for being honest enough to help me here. So same concept, right? All the rest of you knew, you just didn't want to be the one in church being like, it's The Walking Dead, it comes on Tuesday night at 7.45, right? Like, you didn't want to be that person. Oh, Sunday night, sorry. What time? I need some furniture moved about 8 o'clock tonight if anybody wants to. It'd be night of the living furniture movers. Okay, but here's what Paul's saying. He's painting a very hopeful picture of us. I mean, a very grim picture, actually. He says that when we're not in Christ, when we're left to our, 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 the way we're born into this world, we're like those zombies. We are physically alive. We have flesh, and we have bones, and we take in oxygen, and we eat food, and we, we process the food, and we live, and we move, and all those things are true, but spiritually, we're dead. Like, everything that we do is an offense to God. Everything that we do is for our own good, and for our own glory, and for propping ourselves up, okay? Grim picture, right? That's old creation in the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Then, Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You hear what Paul's saying there? He's saying that old creation is spiritual death. In Christ is spiritual life. In Christ is full humanity. In Christ is a new relationship with God and a new reality inside of me. I once was dead to the things of God, now I'm alive to them. I once hated the things of God, now I'm able to love them in Christ. I once rejected the things of God, now I accept them in Christ. I once loved my way and my comfort and my peace above all, but now in Christ I am something new. And I believe, this might become a three-week sermon. Anyway, I believe, I'm going to kind of talk in-house shop for a minute, so if this doesn't, what I'm about to say in the next couple minutes doesn't resonate with you, just forget I said it, okay? But I believe in our particular part of the Christian world, where Redeemer is and where people that think like us are, I believe we're so focused on our sin and our fallenness, and our brokenness, which is all true. Apart from God, we are dead, and we are old creation. I'm not doubting any of that. But I think we so fixate on our sin that Satan has subtly convinced us to forget that if we're in Christ, we are alive. And has subtly convinced us to forget that if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. And has subtly convinced us To forget that if by faith in Christ I seek to glorify God and obey His word, that God is pleased with that. We are so quick to say all of our self-righteousness is like filthy rags, because the Bible says it. That we forget that if we're in Christ, And we're not living to earn God's favor, but we're living to walk in His new life by the power of the Spirit, that that pleases Him and honors Him and satisfies Him and delights Him. God loves when we trust Him and when we evidence the fruit of the new life that He's given us. So I'm just saying, Christians, we're not dead people. But we think like dead people, and we pray like dead people, and we read the Bible like dead people, and some of us come to worship like dead people, and some of us face our sin like dead people, thinking that it can never change. But if we're in Christ, we are new. And I guess I just got one thing. I just want you to believe it, and pray differently, and read the Bible differently, and repent of your sin differently, and follow after Jesus differently. Now, if you're sitting there and you're saying, but pastor, this is hard to do. Yes, I know. Come back next week, and we're going to talk about, now I really am being like an infomercial guy. Um, Come back next week, and we're going to talk about by the Spirit. Here's what the Bible says. Everything that the Bible calls us to do is never intended to be done by ourselves in our strength. Because God has sent His Holy Spirit to dwell within all of His children to help us do everything God desires us to do. We're never alone. Never alone. 
but wait, there's more. If we're in Christ, there's a new relationship with God. There's a new life with God. And there's a new mission for God. Now, how many of you grew up in church? I'm just interested. Can I see hands? Wow, okay, most of This is what happens in church. We talk about people called missionaries, right? I know some of you guys were missionaries, but just bear with me. We talk about people called missionaries. And missionaries are like, they have the glow of the aura of the holiness of God around them, right? Like they are special people who would dare go to a hard place. Yeah, I see you shaking your head back there, but you know that's how we talk about missionaries, right? Who would dare go to a hard place to, to tell people who don't know Christ about Christ. Well, okay, that is what missionaries do. But guess what Paul says in this passage? He says that everyone who is in Christ is a missionary. Because he says that everyone who is in Christ has been reconciled to God for the purpose of calling others to such reconciliation. He says that everyone who is in Christ is an ambassador for Christ. And the word ambassador means sent into a foreign land to be a mouthpiece for the king. And so what Paul says, verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So if we are in Christ, the message of the gospel of Jesus has been entrusted to us unequivocally. It's been entrusted to us. No options. No specialness required. If you're in Christ, the message is entrusted to you. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. If you're in Christ, you are God's ambassador. You exist to be God's mouthpiece to tell of His saving power everywhere that you are. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, that should cause you to pause for a minute. God could have created a world where his gospel was transmitted through, I guess, blood transfusions. He could have created a world where it was just transmitted through how we're born. He could have created a world where it was transmitted by the clouds forming letters. Or I guess he could have created a world where like, it gets passed along like a germ in food. But that's not what God did. What God did is he created a world where he created humanity to live in his image, and they rebelled against him, and he sent his son to die for those people, and his message is carried forward through those who've received the grace of Jesus. If you're a Christian today, you are a Christian by God's grace, because God is sovereign, because God carries out his plan, and because someone told you about Jesus, who was told 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 about Jesus, and we can trace it all the way back to the disciples if we were humanly able. The point is, God's way of building God's kingdom and God's church is by those who have received His mercy being the mouthpieces for His mercy. It's not optional because God makes His appeal through us. That's what it says. And not just passively, Paul says, therefore we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
So I don't want to read into the scripture, but I think what's being said to us in this passage is that if we are in Christ, we are God's mouthpiece, God's ambassadors, and intended to be actively engaged in how God builds his kingdom, so much so that with great vigor we would look at our friends and our neighbors and our relatives and our children and we would say, we implore you for the sake of God's glory and on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the way God designed it. And that's what God wants from us. And I'm pleading with you to think of your home, your resources, your friendships, your work relationships, your family gatherings, and everything that God has given you to structure them and see them as a calling to be an ambassador for Christ. I'm pleading with you to set aside your comfort and your ease and what would be best for you and what you might find most joy in and say, I'm going to structure my life in such a way that as a new creation who's been reconciled to God, I'm going to live as an ambassador for the grace of God and I'm going to have friends who don't know Christ so that I can say, be reconciled to God with my words and my prayers and my love and my care and my my concern, and everything that I do. It's not a game. It's not a mechanism. It's not a bait and switch. I just think God's saying, go out into my world and love others and care for others and give me the glory and invite people to Jesus. And we make it so hard that you got to have a PhD before you think you can do it. We make it so hard that you think you got to move to Uganda before you can do it. But the reality is every Christian is an ambassador. Every Christian is a mouthpiece. Every Christian is a missionary. And every Christian is called to live missionally. So I'm just saying, friends, for the glory of God, will you go and do it? And listen, listen, listen. I'm the pastor this church, and everybody thinks my opinion means more than it really should, but, but hear me out, okay? If you're so committed to living a mission, missionary, missional lifestyle that you have to stop going to a community group, we will applaud you and pray for you and encourage you all the way home. And if you're so committed to living this missional lifestyle that you have to stop serving here in some way, we will applaud you and celebrate you all the way home. But in this particular piece of cultural Christianity, we're all so prone to get filled with churchy activities and churchy people that there's no time to live this lifestyle of ambassadors for Christ. Let it end today. Go get in your car and pray and talk to your spouse and whoever you rode here with and say, what do we need to do to take seriously the words of Jesus that we are ambassadors for Christ. If you have no idea how to start, I'll be glad to talk with you. But here's question number one. How many people in this town who are far from Christ would call me their friend? Now, I phrased that question very specifically. I did not say how many people who are far from Christ you would call your friend. How many people in this town who are far from Christ would call you their friend? You see the difference there? 
go and serve and love and care and pour out your life as a good neighbor and a good friend and a good relative and a good co-worker and build relationships that God can use for his glory because we are ambassadors for Christ. So friends, what this passage tells us is that the foundation of our faith is being in Christ. So the question before us is this, am I in Christ? Have I ever come to this place where I see, yes, there is a creator, yes, there is a sustainer, his name is God, the Father of Jesus Christ, and I have sinned against him and I need his saving power. I need him to save me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to restore me. I need him to redeem me. If you've never come to that point, this, this is a day where you come to that point. This is the day where you say, yes, Lord, I know you were there. I know you were real. I confess my sin. I want Jesus to save me. And the Bible tells us he will hear that prayer. Our worship team, those serving communion, go ahead and come up. For those of us who are saying, yes, I'm in Christ, then this passage would call us to believe that we have a new relationship, a new life, and a new mission with God. And I would challenge you to live as if these things are true. Believing that the Spirit is with you to help you. So for those of us who are in Christ, those of us who have believed and professed our faith in Jesus, those of us who have identified with His church, we are going to take the Lord's Supper now. This is a piece of bread and a, a cup of, of, of juice which Jesus has given to us as a feast, as a celebration, as a remembrance that Christ is our only hope. And so all of you who are in Christ, we would invite you to take this bread and take this cup as a, as a celebration of what Christ has done for us. If you're with us today and you're not in Christ, thank you for being here. But we would ask that you let the bread and the cup pass because the bread and the cup are signs of our faith in Jesus. So we're going to sing these guys are going to pass out the bread and the cup, and I'll come back in just a moment. We'll take them.